You're listening to OEA Grow, a member-led production of the Oregon Education Association. OEA Grow is by members for members. In Season 2, educators discuss conflict resolution strategies. Your host for Season 2 is OEA member Joyce Rosenau. Hello, this is Joyce Rosenau with another episode in our podcast series of Conflict Resolution Strategies. Today, we're going to be talking about collaborative problem solving with Susie Spencer. Susie Spencer, can you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Susie Spencer, and I am a mediator with the OEA Mediation Network. I am also a high school teacher at an alternative school in Salem, Oregon, and I have spent the last seven to eight years Uh, learning to be a trauma-informed educator, and we have been using collaborative and proactive solutions or collaborative problem solving in our schools for the last several years. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is to define what do you mean when you say collaborative problem solving? Collaborative problem solving is just what it sounds like. It's where all of the parties um, are asked and honored, um, asked for their um, perspectives, and their perspectives are honored and given voice, and they come up with a solution together. The um, contrast or the opposite and what we did traditionally in schools was what we call plan A. And plan A is where somebody does something that the person in charge doesn't like, they get a punishment. Oh, Johnny is annoying me in class. Johnny's disrupting my class. Johnny, go to the principal's office. That's plan A. That's reactive. And collaborative problem solving is proactive. So Johnny is disrupting my class. I am aware that most of my students in my alternative school have trauma and probably have multiple traumas. So if I throw Johnny out of class, I'm adding to his trauma. I'm embarrassing him. I'm telling my other students, you could just be thrown out. You can lose your teacher's uh, love and respect by what you do. And you could just get thrown out and publicly embarrassed. And that's just going to make the situation worse. And it's going to make me feel horrible. It's going to make Johnny feel horrible. And I can guarantee the other kids in the class are not going to feel good about it either. Good. So this is a situation that you've used um, with your school in your classroom with your students. Um, Can you give an example of when you might use it with a colleague? Um, I could use it. Okay, so I could use it in my adult relationships. It has helped my adult relationships a lot. Um, I'm going to give you an overview of what it would look like to do a collaborative problem solving with someone, like what the steps are. So the first step in um, the way I use collaborative problem solving is it's called the empathy step. And um, so there's three steps, empathy, define the problem, invitation. With the empathy step, I will sit down privately with another person, could be a student, could be a colleague, it could be my mom, it's very likely. Um, (laughs) And I'll just say, I noticed that, mom, I noticed 
that every time I've seen you lately, or I noticed the last couple of times I've seen you, you've been really upset. Or Johnny, I noticed that every time I ask you to take notes, you start ripping up your notebook. All right, whatever. Just like define whatever you have noticed, like a very clear and specific thing. I noticed that you, you know, asked to go to the bathroom at 9.05 every day. That's all. I noticed this. What's up? That's all. And I just sit and wait. And usually I will get a lot of information. And just like in mediation, just like what mediators do, I will take notes. And um, if the student gives me information, if the other adult gives me information, if my mom gives me information, I take notes. And taking notes, I feel like it makes the other person realize that you are hearing their words. Um, and, you know, so sometimes people will say, oh, take notes, but don't let them see you take notes. I want them to see that I'm taking notes. I want them to know that I'm taking notes and then I read it back to them. So this is your concern. Johnny says, you asked me to take notes, but I don't know what to write. You asked me to take notes, but the slideshows go too fast and I can't keep up with it. You asked me to take notes, but I have dyslexia or I don't know how to spell the words or other kids are going to laugh at me or whatever they're going to say because they usually give you a lot of things and whatever it is it's usually a lot I just write it down and then I read it to them and I say do I have this right have I missed anything this is the empathy step this the other person wants to know that you have heard them and it works the same way with adults with in mediation this is what I wrote down these are your concerns with your coworker. these are my concerns or your concerns with someone else or with me, I write them down and I repeat them to them. And so that is part of the empathy step. Sometimes with students, this doesn't happen usually with adults, they will literally say, I don't know. And that is the most frustrating thing that you, that as a teacher for me to come up against students saying, I don't know, or I don't care. Um, and that's like, that's a really challenging thing to happen. But what we want to do, what like my instinct as an adult is to say, is it this? Is it this? Is it this? <laughs> and it's really important not to put words into their head because sometimes kids will just say, okay, yeah, it's that to make me shut up. Right. But that's not really what it is. And um, it's incredible what's going on in people's lives that we don't know. Um, for instance, I've had a student recently just come in and say, I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. That's what kids say these days. I'm not trying to do that. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, it's writing. It's too hard for them. I, I don't try to do math because math's too hard for me. Right. And so I'm thinking, oh, I already know what's wrong. Um, but, uh, recently I had a student come in. I'm not trying to do that. And I took it to the care committee and I was like, this student is really resistant. And someone told me that the student's uh, family is in crisis and this is what's happening with the, with this, you know, other members of their family. And I was like, oh my gosh, I could have just asked the student what was up. I could have found that out myself. I could have used collaborative problem solving techniques instead of just assuming that they hate writing you know, or that they can't, like, they feel incapable of writing, whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's, a that's like, a really important thing. If someone says, I don't know, like, they're doing something that is on your last nerve, and you ask them what's up, and they say, I don't know. 
Um, but like I said, I don't think that happens a lot in mediation. Usually people have words and they do know what they're upset about. Um, I know that the, you said that the second step is to define the problem. Is that because mm-hmm. a lot of times people will list a bunch of grievances and it's your job to figure out how those all tie together? Like, are they really angry that someone's always using the copying machine? Is that like the real issue? Or do you then ask questions to find out, is there actually an underlying issue to what's going on? So that's a good question. Um, And like define the problem is not taking their list of complaints and turning it into the problem. Defining the problem from my perspective is defining my part of the problem. So I've like I've said, okay, I've noticed this, What's up? The the other person tells me all their grievances. I repeat their grievances so that they know that I've heard them and understood them and ask them to um, clarify or add to them. Define the problem is where I say, the thing is, and now I get to tell them why it's a problem for me. So I don't if I don't have a mediator there and I've got to mediate my own problems, the thing is, my concern is when you rip up your papers, other students think they don't have to take notes. The thing is, when you leave every day at 9.05, you come back 20 minutes later from the bathroom and you have missed all that instruction. So defining the problem is like how this is impacting either the, the speaker or other people. The thing is, you know, every time you're using the copy machine, during our five minute passing period, no other teachers can use the copy machine. (laughs) Other people have last minute things to copy as well. Yes. Uh, So I noticed that a lot of times when you're talking in in the empathy stage, you're saying I, um, and um, is it hard for sometimes for people to talk about what they themselves need or that they want it's a lot easier to just list a bunch of complaints as opposed to either um, and then sometimes they come off as just being aggressive because they are saying well this is going bad and this person's bad and this is bad without how would you get them to understand that um, that they're not seeing what the issues are yeah, so in the empathy stage, yes, the, they have dinosaur brains and they're just upset and they're triggered. And this happens to me at age 50 and it happens to 15 year olds and it happens to people of all ages. We are little buttons get pushed and we are not thinking clearly. We are just thinking of our basic needs that are being infringed on right now. Okay, he's eating raw carrots in the lunchroom and he does that every day and I cannot focus on reading my book during my 30 minute lunch break. Stop that. Right. Um, So the empathy step is really it's not problem or it's not solution oriented. It's just um, empathy oriented. Step one, tell me what what your issues are. I will listen to them. Step two, this is my issue. And then step three is the invitation where we're generating realistic um, and mutually satisfying solutions together. So that's where you brainstorm with the other person. Um, So you restate the concerns that were identified in the first two steps. And then you might start with, I wonder if there's a way we can, or I wonder if there's something that we can come up with. And then you just try to stick as close as you can to um, the concerns that were identified in the first two steps by both parties. 
Um, I noticed even in the title, it says collaborative problem solving. Do both people need to be um, trained or skilled at this in order for it to work? Or can one person kind of bring this attitude into their meetings or into their conflicts and it will still be effective? Absolutely. It can be just one person. In fact, I believe this was um, coined by Dr. Ross Green when he wrote The Explosive Child, which is a handbook for parents on dealing with with their own kids at home who have explosive, intermittent explosive disorder or autism or other behavioral issues. Um, and then later, many years later, Green, Dr. Green wrote the book um, Lost at School, which is where we came up with, where he came up with, not we, <laughs> I was not on his team, um, but where Dr. Green came up with the collaborative and proactive solutions, which is the empathy, um, defining the problem, and then coming up with an invitation or collaboratively uh, solving the problems. Um, so... No, the the one person could be three years old and this could work with them. The person could be 11 year old, years old and just, you know, having recovered from a meltdown. Okay, when adults find themselves in this situation where they are having a conflict with someone else, um, why involve a mediator? Why would someone, an adult who should be able to empathize and figure out what the problem is, why would they need to say, hey, I want a third party there? Joyce, I wish I had a, a mediator to help me deal with some of my um, siblings right now. Um, we are in the process of one of our parents is dying right now. And our, and I'm, I'm the youngest. We're like all of my siblings are in their fifties and they're um, all going through their own raw emotions. And it's just like our whole lifetime is just coming to like, you know what I mean? So um, our emotions are raw and we're only thinking from our own perspective. And even if I'm a trained mediator, do you think the brother that I've grown up with all my life is going to be like, oh, I'm so mad at you, Susie, but you're a trained mediator. Let me just respect your, your calm approach to this. No, he needs a third party. I need a third party. I need a third party to say, hey, Joyce, tell Chad that I'm mad at him. And Chad needs a third party to say, Joyce, tell Susie I'm sick of all of her controlling behaviors. So we just need that third person because we know each other too well and we're too mad at each other. Good job. Do you have any last um, thoughts or statements you would like uh, to make? I think that um, it's just, I think it's really important to remember to um, like the collaborative approach to focus on the five steps of the collaborative approach, um, focus on the person or the problem, not the person. And uh, there's like a lot of reasons for that because we will remember all those mean things that someone said to us um, or about us, right? But if they're just focused on the fact that I eat loud, crunchy carrots in the lunchroom, like they're not saying Susie's an annoying cow with how she eats. They're saying the crunching noise is really upsetting to me. And that's like a whole different thing, you know, to just focus on like, this is how it's impacting me rather than I think you're annoying. So I think <laughs> focusing on the, the problem 
and not the person. And I think that it's so, so important. I've been through mediation myself and it was very, a very positive experience for me. That's why I want to be a mediator. And, um, I think that just having a, a neutral third party is magic and lots of healing can happen with that, um, with that process. Good. So if anyone out there is listening and is intrigued about what actually mediation is, contact us and someone will get back to you and um, try to help you not, even if the other person that you're in conflict with doesn't want to be involved in mediation, um, the mediators can teach you some skills and help you to learn how to mediate for yourself or how to respond in certain situations. Thank you for listening to us, and I hope that you tune in again. Thank you, Susie, for being here. Thank you for having me, Joyce. Have a great day. For more OEA professional learning opportunities, visit our webpage at grow.oregoned.org.